Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, good morning again. We are just honored that you're with us. And uh, it's going to be a great day because later on we have baptisms. So we're celebrating some life change. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about this. Service over status. Everybody say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Service over status. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's go. One, two, three. Service over status. That's what I want to discuss with you this morning. In fact, that's what I titled this morning's message. The reality is this. There are so many things I love about faith. I don't know about you, right? There's a lot of good things. We have the great kids program, great student ministry, groups ministry, great worship arts team. There's a lot. But you know, one of the leading things that I absolutely admire about this church is that we are servants. You look to your right, you see someone that's going to serve. You look to your left, you see someone that's going to serve. And the, the reality is this, this church is, uh, understands the mantle of servanthood. As a pastor here, I'm just honored and privileged to be a part of such a great faith community. Did you know we have over 314 people that are signing up and serving weekly? Did you, did you know that we have over 140 people that every Sunday kind of gather and move and make this thing function as volunteers? Did you know this past culture course that we had, we had 18 people sign up and commit to serving in some function of the church? I mean, this is a church that loves to serve. That's awesome. Status with God is about who we serve. I want us to understand that status with God is about who we serve. When you start serving God, you become a servant. When you start serving God, you develop a heart like a servant. But see, there's a lot of turmoil in life, right? Culture actually doesn't say, hey, that's how you gain status. Actually, it's really what we see as, as believers, that status comes from servant. Seven, uh, status comes from being servant-hearted. See, on the contrary side, the world thinks that status comes in this way. Status with the world is about achievement, about what we accumulate, about what we attain, right? Like it's, it's hey, do I have the bigger house? Do, do I have the nicer car? And in the world's eyes, and in, in someone that doesn't have a relationship with God, it's like, hey, if I can just achieve this, then I'm all right. I remember my wife and I, I'm originally from Missouri. Um, you can always tell what part of Missouri someone is from because they say Missouri or Missouri. I'm from Missouri. And I remember this, you know, growing up, you know, are you familiar with Californian dreaming, that California lifestyle? 
So I grew up in Missouri, good old Midwestern boy. I remember we had cows that we would pass on the way to school. I had cows in my backyard, kind of a little country guy on the north end of Springfield, Missouri, located in southwest Missouri. About my mid-20s, I move out to uh, Las Vegas, take over a, a ministry position, serve as a pastor, and then after that, my family and I moved to Los Angeles, California. Now, as a Missouri boy, you're thinking, man, I kind of, I kind of arrived. Like, this is cool. Like, you got the palm trees because, I, you know, you're like, we're from Florida. Like, palm trees are everywhere. But in Missouri, if you showed up and someplace had palm trees, it must be on a point. So in California, palm trees. I'm thinking mountains. I'm thinking the beach scene. I'm thinking Santa Monica Pier. I'm thinking Huntington Beach. I'm thinking it's going to be all nice. And then reality set in. I look over at my wife. I'm like, man, I feel like we're growing Poor and poor every day. Milk is expensive. Gasoline's $5 a gallon. This one time I walked into a grocery store and they, they sell bags in California. You know, like you check out at Publix here, you get a, a Walmart, you, or a Walmart, you get a, you get a plastic sack or it's paper and it's like, hey, you just, you just get them for free. California, they charge you 20 cents per bag. So I remember showing up and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm not paying for this bag. So I got my little son who's like three at the time. And I'm like, dude, you're holding all the cans. I don't care. We're taking three trips. Pride was setting in. I'm not paying for a bag in California. That's where I was at. You know, that, that status being from Missouri, thinking I've arrived when I lived in Los Angeles, California, it started to come real clear to me that status wasn't found in this this earth wasn't found in a, a nice place to live, wasn't found in the size of home, wasn't found in the bank account. That's not true status. Status with God is about who we serve. See, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, we see, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in the achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. You may be in here right now asking yourself this question, man, I feel like there's a void. My challenge to you is this, what kind of status are you pursuing? Are you pursuing status in the way God sees it? Or are you pursuing status by what you achieve, what you accomplish, what you attain? Seek service over status to please God. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Seek service over status to please God. I want to start here with the status seekers. Because let's be honest, it's very easy to want to pursue status. It's very easy to kind of focus our minds, our eyes on the things that we can accumulate, right? Like, man, if I could only upgrade my minivan to a truck, like that's real. And sometimes we can hone in on that. We're going to come to a story in Mark chapter 10, where these individuals really are focusing on status and they have an encounter with Jesus. We call them status seekers right now. So status seekers, 
Number one, they're motivated by selfish ambition. Motivated by selfish ambition. They lead with the heart cause, with the question that resonates like this. What's in it for me? What do I get? How does this further my life? What kind of benefit is in it for me? That is at the heart of the question. So in Mark chapter 10, we see these, these brothers. They're bold and, and brash. Their names James and John. You can follow along with me if you have your Bibles or the words will be on the screen. Mark 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, I love these guys. They're known as the sons of thunder. Like, they're boom. Like, they're my kind of guys. But they make some mistakes right here. The James, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him, him being Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Jesus politely responds, what is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on the left. So this is Jesus answering and receiving this question. Can you do us a favor? Now, we have to look at the story in the context. Anytime you look at the the Bible, there's context to it. You know, right before these bold brash brothers could go up to Jesus, Jesus just gets done telling them about his coming death. If you look earlier in Mark chapter 10, verse 32, it says when Jesus predicts his death, he's sitting with his best friends. He's like, I'm going to die for you. We are a countdown away. We are weeks and moments away. And they're sitting there and they're like, okay, well, we better ask since eventually you're going to die. Let's ask, what can we get? What's in it for us? Selfish ambition. Status seekers are about what's in it for us. There's even political power there, right? Have you heard the story or the saying that when it comes, it's all about who you know, not actually what you know? If you look at the same account over in Matthew chapter 20, these brothers... Some of you might have done this time or two. These brothers actually turn to their mother. Hey, they say, hey, mom, can you go ask Jesus how we can be on his right and on his left? Can you imagine that? You know, when it comes about selfish ambition motivated by what's in it for me, we rally people around us to say, hey, you know, can't, can't you affirm what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. When it's selfish ambition, when we're seeking status, it's about our perspective only. It's about saying, those closest to you, you got to agree with me. Status seekers, motivated by selfish ambition. Status seekers have possessed also, number two, blinded arrogance or blind arrogance. Have you ever met anybody or had a conversation with somebody who simply thought they were better at a specific task than what they actually performed? I play sports. I love sports. I grew up in a coach's home. And some of the funniest encounters I've ever had in my life is when someone would talk a big game and then reality would set in and be like, can you even walk and chew gum at the same time? Or maybe you're working with somebody 
Maybe like, dude, I'm phenomenal. I can do this construction project. I can handle these accounts. And you're like, what in the world? Or maybe you're like, hey, I can really sing. I sound great in the shower. And the spouse is over here saying like, please never sing again. Status seekers, they have blind arrogance. Look at how the story continues in verse 38. But Jesus said to them, the brothers, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? And in other words, they're asking this question, but they don't understand the gravity of this question in this moment in their life. They're just saying it's going to be easy. There's just this blind arrogance to them. Hey, put me next to you, Jesus. I'm worthy. I got it all together. And the reality is this. We have blind spots in our life, right? There's moments when we're seeking status, where we're seeking the next step, where we're seeking the next best thing. But the truth of the matter is there's things that are happening that we just don't understand the gravity of the scenario or the situation. These men didn't get it at this moment, at this time. Jesus continues, are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? They go in verse 39, oh yes, they replied, we are able. If you're familiar with what happened to Jesus, it was, words can't even put into context about what he endured for us. Then Jesus told them, and this is what he's talking about, we see transformation that happens in their life as the story continues throughout the Gospels. He says, you will indeed drink from a bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have left no right to, but I have no right to say who will sit at my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Aren't you grateful though that we're not perfect people, but we have someone who helps us become a better individual? You might read that and say, well, eventually these guys drink from the bitter cup. That's because they endured and they saw life change when they see Jesus ascend to heaven, when they see Jesus conquer the grave, when they see Jesus die on the cross and then God moved miraculously and Jesus rose again. My friends, that's the gospel. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the starting point is saying, Jesus, we want to make you the Lord and leader in our life. We believe that you went to the cross. We believe that you rose again some three days later. With that, you conquered sin, so I wouldn't have to. We see the life transformation in these individuals. In James, this bold, brash brother, a son of thunder, we see that he would be the first martyr of the 12 apostles. Later on, we'd see this individual by John, this other brother, through the life transformation, would go on to take care of Jesus' mother and eventually being exiled to an island, so many historians think, and would die that way. But at that moment, when they didn't understand the gravity, they had blind arrogance. I think that kind of speaks for us. We have to evaluate those who are followers of Jesus, those who have a relationship right now and and we claim to say hey Jesus is the Lord and leader of my life the question that we have to ask is do I have any 
blind spot in my life? You know, Jesus isn't talking about the woman at the well who was a prostitute. Jesus isn't talking about the swindlers and the crooks and the tax collectors. You know who Jesus was addressing? The closest religious people to him, his inner circle. Status seekers have some blind, arrogant spots. Status seekers also do number three, they create ugly competition. Create ugly competition. Have you ever met someone that just likes to compete about, you don't know why this is even a competition? My sons, we like to race to the car in the parking lot. I'm getting a little older. I'm not as agile. The rocks are a little loose and, you know, like I don't have it. I think I do, but the body just does not operate that way. And my sons, they take off after church. Oh, yeah, we beat dad. I'm like, kid, why are you even making this a competition? Go back to church. You know, when it comes to some of these individuals, when they are pursuing status, they focus on competition that doesn't really matter. In verse 41, when the 10 other disciples heard that James and John had asked, they were indignant. I want to pause right there. They weren't indignant because they were mad that they asked the question. They were frustrated that they weren't the ones to ask first. They missed their opportunity. So the 12 disciples are sitting there seeing the scenario play out, and they're like, man, we missed our opportunity. Selfish ambition. In verse 42, so Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. It's different in God's kingdom. So the remainder of our time, I want to talk to you about why we are servants. Why we are servants. See, there might be moments when we're struggling with the status of life, but then there's moments of, hey, we need to know our why so we can live out and be the hands and feet past these walls so that we can transform Southwest Florida for the good news and the goodness of who Jesus is in our life. Because culture is over here. The world is what Scripture says is decaying because there's a lot of craziness that happens. And so as we love people, we need to learn to serve people. So let's talk about why we are servants. In Mark chapter 10, verse 43, the story continues. It says, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to everyone else. Now, we actually see there's a sequence. There's actually a, a status right there. The Apostle Paul, he talks about when you're, when you're striving for the glory of God, that's nothing to be ashamed of. When you're working for status in his kingdom to serve people from a right heart, that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's actually applauded. That's actually encouraged. But look, when Jesus says, hey, you got to be a servant, really what he's talking about, if you look at the Greek language there, is like you have to be a hired hand. And the Greek language is where we get the word deacon from. Maybe you're familiar with that word deacon as it correlates to a church. 
But then he takes it another level. He says, if you want to be a leader, what do you have to do? Be a slave to everyone. In verse 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, to give his life of ransom for many. See, it's this understanding that whenever you go from a hired hand to being a slave to everyone, my friends, when you're at that statue, your body is not your own. Your thoughts are are not your own. You're the property of somebody else. That someone else is God, who because of his son Jesus went and served us by giving up his life, a ransom for many. So why are we servants here at faith? The first is this, Jesus calls us to serve. You cannot say you're a follower of Jesus and yet not be serving somewhere. You cannot say, I love Jesus with my whole heart, but then, you know, pursue status more than servitude. In Mark 10, 45, let me just highlight this again so we understand. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. That means people that look like you, people that look different than you, for everyone who hears the good news. In John 13, we see a different perspective and actually a command from Jesus. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and asked, do you understand what is going, it was what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. It's pretty plain right there. It's pretty clear for us, right? There's not a lot of thinking and diving into this text. And in other words, the reason we serve is because Jesus set that precedent. You got Jesus in your life. You're a servant in these walls, outside of these walls, to people to your right, people to your left, people all around. We serve because Jesus calls us to serve. We serve because that's a way that we show others who Jesus is. We also serve because true service grows humility. True service grows humility. Proverbs 11, 2 says this, pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. The two greatest, or the two first sins, I should should say, when we see that Satan's fall from heaven is why? Because he had pride. He wanted to be equal, on par with God. Then we see Adam and Eve in Genesis. When we look at their story, their first sin, pride issue. They wanted to have the wisdom, the clarity, as that such as God. Pride. How do we destroy pride? How do we kill the pride in our life? How do we kill our selfish ambition? By having a true heart of service. Proverbs 29, 23, it it reads this. Pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. You want humility in your life. Are you serving in your life? 
You know, when Jesus would wash their feet back then, it's kind of hard to imagine now in our culture, in our context, and how clean we keep our shoes and how much we wear socks, but it was sandal day, and when it would rain, all the streets would just be covered in mud. It means like it was a custom to have just mud that was caked on your feet. So when Jesus gets on his knees and he's scrubbing, he is saying, I'm lower than low because I care about you. Jesus is establishing that precedent so we understand that, hey, you know what's going to destroy and give us a true heart of service is when we say, I'm going to strive to live with humility in my life. How do I do that? You always have to assess constantly, day in, day out, do I have a true service heart or do I have a a self-righteous service heart? See, self-righteous kind of heart says this. It says, hey, you know what? I'm going to serve between the hours of 9 and 12, and uh, that's when I serve on Mondays. When the wind isn't blowing so hard and, and it's about 75 degrees outside, that's when I'll serve. True service heart says, hey, God's birthed in my life. I live a lifestyle of serving. Self-righteous service says, you know what? I do it for recognition. True service heart says, hey, I'm going to do it despite who's around me, who sees me, who even is there, I'm going to serve. True service heart says, hey, I am going to serve the person next to me despite what they look like, despite what they sound like, despite what they said in the past or maybe have are continually saying or what they just said to me, I'm going to serve them. Self-righteous service says, hey, I'm going to serve whenever, you know what, they can serve me back just as equal. See, humility is something we have to strive for, something we have to constantly seek and pursue and go after. Humility is how Jesus led his life. Humility, growing that in our life, destroys pride. Also, when it comes to why we are servants, we're servants because serving expresses love. Serving expresses love. Apostle Paul puts it like this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Three places I want to talk to you about serving practically. The first one is this, your home. If you're married in this room, the number one person that you should be willing to serve is your spouse. What that means is, hey, how can I help you? How can you lift them up? How can you honor them? How can you love them? You serve your spouse. Also means you serve your kids, your children, your family. What that means whenever you're serving your family is there's some things that you have to do in that service lifestyle, in that service heart that might not be popular for your children. Discipline might not be popular, but that's in a sense a way we serve our children to better them in life. Some of the greatest ways that my wife has ever served me is when she got pretty transparent with me and helped me with some of my blind spots. Fellas, can we get an amen on that? Like, we need that. 
Serving expresses our love. Serving expresses our love not only at our home, but also in our church. The people on your right, people in this room. You know how you show that you love them, you care for them, is when you serve at your church locally. We have greeters. We have people who help out in our kids' area. Man, I get inspired. I'm looking at so many faces right now. But when I see Gary and Donna waking up at 7 a.m. on Sundays, making coffee so they can serve hundreds of people that come through these doors, I get inspired when I see Rose who is checking in with our kids' area and and dealing with some of our, our children that need special assistance. Man, I get inspired, and I love seeing people serve when I hear about Patrick up in the the tech booth, behind the sieves, serving day in, day out on Sundays to make all the programming go smoothly. Man, I get inspired when I see, when I show up and I see our youth, they're out there with the signs, and they're like, hey, welcome to church, you know? I'm like, woo, they're serving. It expresses our love. If you're not serving, you're not following. Serving is how we please God. We also serve our community. Church is not just about our home. It's not just about our church. It's not about the country club within these walls. It's about we're the only club, organization, group of people that exist actually for the people outside of these walls. It's about serving our community in your workplace. Someone has a flat tire, someone's battery dies. Do you push them off the road if you're able? Someone needs help opening a door, someone needs help carrying. Are you serving? Serve matters. It's not about just doing it when we're programmed, it's about a lifestyle. And then, why we serve is because God's gifted us with all sorts of talents and abilities. Serving uses our gifts. Serving uses our gifts. If you believe it or not, you are talented. Now, some of us might be putting that talent in the wrong places. Some of us might be dialed in, but you're talented. Serving unleashes your gifts to be impactful for God's kingdom. In 1 Peter 4, chapter, t- uh, ver- chapter 4, verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift of the great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Continues on in verse 11. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. God's gifted you so that you can bring glory to his name. That's how we serve, church. So the question I want to ask you is this. Are you a part of the we? Are you a part of the we? Here at Faith, we are servants. Here at Faith, it's in our DNA. Here at Faith, we are unashamed of saying we're going to serve our neighbor, we're going to serve our community, we're going to serve in our home, because that's what God calls us to do. That's how Jesus modeled us to live. So are you a part of the we? We want to give you a practical step where, hey, you're saying, hey, Pastor Blake, I'm not necessarily there serving. You can just do this real simple. We'll get you plugged in. We'll start you on the process. If you go to faithnfm.com, 
There's a pop-up, you say, hey, boom, click it right there on your smartphone. You say, hey, I wanna serve here, boom, one of our teammates will reach out to you this week. Because we wanna empower you, we wanna help you become people that serve in your community, in your homes, in your church. Because what Jesus calls us to do, we are servants. So today, as we close, I wanna ask you this. We're gonna pray and I'm gonna ask every head to be bowed right now. If you want to make a commitment, follow Jesus right now because he served you. He's given up his life for you. I'm going to ask you right now, if you'll just raise your hand, you just raise your hand so I can see. If you haven't made Jesus your Lord and leader of your life right now, thank you. Right there. Yep. There we go. Right there. Yep. Bible says when you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, and you accept him as your Lord and leader, that you admit that you're broken, that you're confused, that you make mistakes, that you have sin, but you give that sin over to Jesus, then you are saved. He went to the cross for us and he rose three days later. I wanna encourage you, take that next step. Take that step, fill out a communication card, meet with one of our team members. We wanna journey with you and help you explore what it means to follow him, help you on your faith journey. With every head bowed, eye closed, let's pray. Lord God, we give you this moment. We say thank you. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for serving us. Thank you for giving your life for us. We call in your name right now for those who are making a decision in their heart to serve you, for those who are making a decision in their heart to, to give their life to you, Lord. May we, may we be people of humility. May we be people that want to destroy our pride. May we be people that just call on your name always. Be with those making the decision. Give them the power to take the next step. Lord, we give you today and the moments to come. And in your great and holy name, we all say amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.